All right, and we're live. This is the first episode of Mentally Gone. It is a new concept under the Fiber Fitness uh, Productions umbrella where we will be doing uh, probably, hopefully, weekly podcasts where we try to punch out as many episodes as possible. We don't have a fixed schedule as of yet, but our intention is with Mentally Gone, as the title infers, is to come on and try to make sense of things that are going on around the world. And given everything that has happened in the past year, right, 2020 with COVID, pandemic, lockdown, quarantine, um, I think it's safe to say that there are a lot of people out there can, who can probably relate to the title Mentally Gone, because that was the sentiment that you and I had at the time of creating the, the logo and creating the name and creating the concept of starting this. But it took us a little bit more time to get into the rhythm of producing a podcast together because first of all i think it's super weird and weird in a good way and also sometimes weird in a bad way to think about doing anything with a significant other when it comes to like creating a business for example right right and just starting something that for example i've had experience doing a podcast through fibercast but i would always do it with a stranger Mm -hmm. so to me it was always like that experience of you know, um, experiencing nuance every single time, like someone new would come on and sit down and like I would kind of like pick that person's brain and they would pick my brain and I would learn a lot about that person and vice versa. And then now doing a podcast with my girlfriend, which I've never done before, is just going to be something different. Like that's all I can say, because I feel like we've we know each other very well. Right. And I think that to start a podcast, a lot of people nowadays, like they always have this idea that you have to have a certain angle on things, right? Because people don't really have enough personality to actually start a engaging and attractive concept slash show. Mm-hmm. So they look for a specific angle like, oh, we're going to be the podcast that discusses this and this and this. And they kind of trap themselves inside this little box as opposed to just sitting down and not having an angle at all becomes the ultimate angle. And I think that that's what Joe Rogan um, managed to accomplish throughout his podcasting career. And speaking of Joe Rogan, I think that the first topic that we should talk about, I think that you should take us into it because you're the one that started watching it out of nowhere. And you have a little bit, um, a few other fun facts revolving <laughs> okay. your dad and your aunt, if you want to you know, tell people about it too. Um, okay, so I did start watching Fear Factor mm-hmm. not too long ago. We realized that you have a Hulu account, mm-hmm. and then we finally played an episode. Um, my dad and aunt auditioned for Fear Factor, and then they didn't make it. Probably, I don't know what it was. I think I think the reason they said was because of their appearance or their athleticism it was something of that sort they probably just didn't have the look that Mm. fear factor was going for and what look do you think fear factor has (laughs) definitely the white definitely white people it was yeah like if you look at like the first few seasons all white people Mm -hmm. it's yeah and it's just funny to like think about it too because at the beginning I think that it's it's like valid to um, take into account like the progression that it has had. I think that at, like in the beginning they were offering maybe what ten thousand dollars prize money. Yeah, ten thousand, and then at the final season it became a hundred thousand dollars. Ten times. 
That's 10 times the amount. Mm -hmm. And Joe, Joe Rogan, the person that I personally, and I think I'm already known for this, like I personally look up to him because I think he's a guy who, I don't know, like he has like multi, like he's a multifaceted personality. Multiple endeavors. He just dives into different Yeah, and not even that, but he also has like multiple perspectives because he has this this um like wide and vast catalog of personalities that he has on his podcast so Mm -hmm. he i don't know like he just assimilates a lot of people and then he inevitably becomes this person who is like i don't know like super and super diverse in his way of being i don't know how to explain it i think that that makes him respectable because you can tell that he's like such an open-minded person Mm -hmm. like he's just open to perspectives whether or not he has his own he understands different perceptions and perspectives Mm -hmm. and it doesn't i don't know like he doesn't he doesn't automatically um reject any idea Mm -hmm. and do you think he was always like that probably not probably not because i've heard him say um on on multiple accounts how and we were talking about this the other day about um, ayahuasca mm-hmm. and DMT, which is um, dimethyltryptamine, which are these um, psychedelic, I guess you could call them drugs, right? Uh, even though it has a negative connotation, but it's a psychedelic substance that enables this out-of-body, out-of-world experience that a few people have embarked on and today way more people than back in 19 whatever when joe rogan was you know starting out in comedy and stuff and he talked about how his experience with psychedelics specifically dmt kind of just broke down his idea and his image of who he was so it broke his ego completely Mm -hmm. right to a point where he no longer felt the need to kind of demonstrate to the world what traits and just overall how do you say it like what traits what um personality he didn't have to prove prove anything anything, right he didn't have to display any best parts of himself he Mm -hmm. i think he just came to like the realization of accepting everything there is to his being yeah and accepting the world a little bit more right yeah so what do you think about Fear Factor so far? Like what's your like what 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 fascinates you more about the show? I think I think what's fascinating is seeing what people are willing to do for money. Mm. And there was one challenge and you saw it. It was um would you tattoo Joe Rogan's face on your body oh, yeah. for the chance at winning a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars? So would you? Would I tattoo Joe Rogan's face? Mm-hmm. You know what? It's just one of those things, right? Like that episode, I think we searched that at the time. It aired, what, like 2007, 2000? No, that, I think that one was one of the later ones. So it was like, it was the most recent. It, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure when, but I think right before maybe 2013, <laughs> around there. Okay. I, it was one of his last <laughs> episodes. Because my whole thing is, as like as much of a fan as I am of Joe Rogan, I don't think I would want to have his face on my body. <laughs> you know? And I've seen him post a lot of Instagram videos where crazy fans will get crazy tattoos. And and he actually posted one recently on Instagram where a fan got his face and got like kind of opened his mouth and out of his mouth were like aliens climbing out and stuff. So they get these crazy 
alien psychedelic tattoos of Joe Rogan in order to like pay homage to him, I guess, you know, like right. honor him. Mm-hmm. But that's now after he's become this larger than life personality. So I don't know if back in Fear Factor days, I would look at Joe Rogan with hair and think, oh, like I'm going to get this Fear Factor guy's face tattooed on my body, <laughs> even though he already started the podcast, but he wasn't as big. So, I mean, it sounds shitty to say, but I don't think I would have been that inclined or even consider it at all like at, for a like hundred thousand dollars see but like that's when you I because don't know. there's so many ways to remove a tattoo yeah, to cover it though. and then and it wasn't that big either it seemed like the dimensions were pretty like reasonable something that could fit on like your forearm something small like it wasn't super huge i mean yeah you I could guess. laser it away. You could cover it up for $100,000. So you, you'll be able to pay f- for the removal. Yeah, but then <laughs> I, I guess you're right. And it was two options, right? It was either tattoo his face or tattoo the logo, Fear Factor logo. Right. So could the person choose or? No, so it was a team of two. So one oh, person one had to get Joe uh, Rogan's face and then the other person could get the Fear Factor logo. And they both quit. So they decided, like, neither of us wants to get your face on our body. And, and he was he like, even got offended. He, no, but he was like, listen, like, I don't want my face to, to like, I wouldn't want my face tattooed on me either. That's crazy. And <laughs> that's how crazy it is. Mm. I, I guess, like, if you look at it from the perspective of experience, because, like, tattoos in of themselves, like, I don't have any tattoos and you don't have any tattoos. Right. But, I think that the idea of a tattoo is to have something like it's a form of outward expression, right? So people, for example, another version of tattoos, a less uh, permanent version are people who put bumper stickers on their cars. (laughs) So whenever you drive behind a person who has like a lot of bumper stickers, the first thought I get is that this person really has a dire need to express themselves. Mm -hmm. And the limited opportunities that they have, they utilize it. As a form of like outward expression. So they're probably very, um, how do you say this? Very uh, restrained, very... Uh, they feel like they can't express their individuality enough. Yeah, so like then, at their jobs, right. at, like, at Walmart or wherever they work. They, they can't really be creative. So, so they probably have like this mundane nine to five job and then they probably have kids maybe or maybe they don't. And they just outfit their whole car and then that bumper stickers right that's how they feel like expressive enough and then you see they even have like the family ones Mm -hmm. the the stick figures and it's like how many kids you have and everything you let the psychopath driving behind you know exactly (laughs) how many people are in your house so they can go and you know plan like plan their visits make sure you show like the you have a little baby too a little dog a little dog yeah i never understood that (laughs) what do you think that is like why do you think people have that need to I don't know, like communicate with the world like strangers on the road think, about their life. I think it's like I don't think it is to communicate with strangers about their life. I mean, some stickers are, but I mm-hmm. think I think most of the time maybe it's just, you know, they I don't know, they want to make it feel like a family car and then they kind of deck it's like putting things on your refrigerator. Like it's mm-hmm. not for anybody else, but you just stick a bunch of things on it, like you stick your kids paintings on it and you know and then it's kind of like that and then they add like these stick figure families and then these a bunch of other stickers on there Mm -hmm. so then it becomes kind of like a ritualistic experience where it's like bringing the family together probably because everybody has like a sticker on the car and then everybody enjoys sunday rides because everybody's (laughs) like driving in the minivan that has 
all the so is the minivans yeah yeah i get that but anyways like to the point i was making it's like that to me is the less um radical form of tattooing it's like people want to maybe just express themselves like you said maybe it's not express expression meant for other people for third parties maybe it's for the people within their inner circle like their family and stuff but either way it's like self-expression so i think i would now that you mentioned the hundred thousand dollars of course everything changes once you mention a few you know right some money i i had forgotten about it about the exact amount because i was thinking ten thousand for some reason but a hundred thousand is pretty so i think i would get the tattoo and then i would just maybe like you said try to remove it even though i wouldn't because that's super painful and i've seen like a few laser removals i don't know if you've ever seen them Mm -hmm. they seem very very painful so i think i would just keep it and then just use it to tell a story i don't know you know, like at a party, like people look at it. It's like, oh, my God, like, like is that Joe Rogan? Yeah, life? and you can say that you met him. And then imagine like a few years later, now he's this big podcaster. Mm. Like he's widely known. And then my leg is worth $100 million now Yeah, and, I, and million. I was even saying you can even like cut off the skin and like sell it. And <laughs> you just, nice. your skin just regrows itself. Just like sell it on eBay or something? <laughs> Probably. Some, some other psychopath buys There's it. a lot of psychopaths out there. Word what two. do you think? What do you think is the weirdest thing that you can sell on the internet? Oh my gosh! And like profit, like make money, like or maybe not even make money. But what do you think? Probably like like what we've heard on your mom's house before, where they Shout talk out to about <laughs> where they talk about um how you're able to like sell your underwear, you're able to sell your shit. Mm-hmm. Like there's people out there who buy it who will go the extra mile just to buy your shit. It's so crazy. Do you know what's crazy? But is it crazy though? Because like if you really think about it, not saying that I have these thoughts. I'm I'm just trying to put myself sure. in I'm just trying to put okay. myself in someone's, you know, and the person who would a prospective buyer's shoes. I think that it's just this idea of um I think that we've become super isolated as human beings right like everybody's super individualistic and people don't really know how to be social anymore so the idea of a personalized contact with another person where you kind of give them an outline like like there are people and this is uh, talked about on your mom's house too where guys sent send girls specific diets so that they will fart right a specific scent and leave specific skirt marks on their underwear. Is that the right term? Yeah. Skirt marks? Uh, is it? Skid, mar- skid marks. Skid marks. Skid there marks. you go. Shit marks, right? Marks shit, of shit. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Shit marks in their underwear so they can send it to them in a Ziploc bag and they pay high, <laughs> like high dollar for it. I don't understand it. Would you do it? Would I do what? Sell your underwear. No girls out there want to buy my underwear. <laughs> you never know. Nah, I wouldn't. You know what, though? I think it's a harmless act. I think that nobody gets hurt, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, the, it's true. It's just weird. I think that's that's all that it really is. Just weird. The but... only thing that's weird to me is the prospect of, like, genetic, not genetic replication, but cloning and shit. Imagine if these psychopaths... Through feces? Through feces, yeah. Like, they get your DNA. Like, I'm not a scientist, but I'm just saying, like, this is just my way of thinking. It's like, what if these guys, these perverts, they're getting these underwears and then they're just preserving them in, like, nitrogen or something, right? Like, these shit-ridden, whatever, sweat-ridden underwears, preserving them in oxygen, not oxygen, nitrogen, 
and then waiting for the moment where they can like replicate people and clone people and then like they'll make like sex slaves with those i would never you know. think of this i think you're you're way far ahead am i okay so let's it's so, a stretch but speaking of perverts yeah tiktok there mm. was a viral trend going on with the silhouette challenge oh yeah let's talk about and that. then now it was a red filter so so girls and and guys would do this trend and then it like the video would turn red and then they're showing their silhouette and then someone or some people figured out a way to remove the red filter exposing whoever was like nude in these videos Mm -hmm. so what do you think i just pulled it up um i just pulled the news article do you want to read it to people the nude silhouette. Okay, I'll do it. Yeah, I can't. The, I can't read. I'm blind, babe. The nude silhouette TikTok challenge has. I, I actually have to get my glasses too. So for those watching the video, we both use glasses. Yeah, I don't have mine on see. me right now. Anyways, the nude silhouette TikTok challenge has soared, soured. Oh, has soured. I can't read, guys. Has soured after trot. Jesus Christ, I can't read today. Has soured after tutorial spread showing how to remove the filter. So the basic, I guess, concept behind this is what girls put on the music and then they show themselves in normal clothing yeah and then it switches and then it's a red filter and then it's supposed to be their silhouette Mm. so it's not supposed to show them beneath like like it's not supposed to show anything but their silhouettes and girls usually do it like almost naked yeah whether it's like minimally dressed or some were doing it completely nude Mm -hmm. so there are people now getting exposed because they figured out a way. And what do you think about that? Do you think the girls who did it, like, what do you think? I think, oh, it's super hard. You just have to be cautious that there's a bunch of, like, perverts and psychopaths out there before, like, you know, going for trends like these, like, starting to do it yourself and, you know... Mm -hmm falling into them you just have to weigh out all the possibilities because you never know and you're putting it out there on a social platform but i don't blame them um like obviously not their fault but you know just be cautious i i personally think it's crazy how much trust we have towards social media platforms nowadays Mm -hmm. it's like like don't you think that's kind of like like disconcerting the amount of trust that people by default have like this is a brand new platform in like relative to what we've already had instagram facebook twitter tiktok is relatively new Mm -hmm. and it comes from china and it was almost banned by the last administration and people just kind of brush that off and just don't acknowledge it or just they don't want to acknowledge it because of the virality of TikTok, the, the viral nature of it that you can just blow up with a simple video. And I've seen people who do not deserve to blow up, blowing up, um, cough, cough. Um, and you just have these, these like, I don't know. Like, I personally think that there's been a drastic shift in comparison to, let's say, the... Um, dot-com boom right when internet was first taking off and people were first getting acquainted with the idea of using the internet right Mm -hmm. it was still referred as the internet 
I'm going to check the internet for whatever, whatever, you know, people would go on and they would be super paranoid and cautious because it was just a brand new thing. And now you have this brand new social media app. You don't know if your information's being harnessed, if your information is being sold, if your information is going directly to the government of China, mm-hmm. if they have face recognition technology that can just, you know, whatever, just create a virtual account on you in China. Like you don't know what's going on. And with the COVID virus, which was released by the Chinese government to um, secure control of the world economy. That's been proven by me and scientists and economists <laughs> and people. Uh, yeah, I just think it's weird. What's your opinion? Um, I don't know. I think... Honestly, it's. I think it's not necessarily about... How do I put this? I don't think it's that people are trusting. I think that they're just too naive. Mm. And 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 I, and I think we're in such a progressive world now that people think that the world can do no harm at some points, like especially on social media. And um and it's and it's proven that all of our information on social media platforms is being tracked in some way because we get recommended specific things mm-hmm. and every individual is recommended whatever they click on the most, whatever they, you know, are speaking about. Whenever we're speaking about something, a random ad will pop up on my Instagram about it. Just super scary. And it's yeah, and 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 I think it's super I, I don't know what the explanation is for it, but yeah, that's... And all of that was shown clearly in the documentary that we saw on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I forgot what the name of the documentary was. I'll pull that up real quick. But essentially, it's the recent documentary that we watched, I think, it late was, last um, year. Do you uh, remember the name of it? Social Media Netflix. No, I don't remember the name. Netflix documentary. People are probably listening to this going crazy like, oh, this this is the... Oh, Oh, the the social social dilemma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The social dilemma was super scary. Yep. Super scary. And I've seen multiple different takes on it. I've seen people kind of defending it. People kind of saying like, oh, like, what do you expect? You know, like that's a business. Uh, Social media companies are businesses. Uh, People need to just adapt to this new way of doing things, to this um, digital economy, to the information and data economy, which I understand. And people do have the choice of accepting the terms and conditions whenever they download an app, which Mm -hmm. neither of us ever read. Right. And we just accept it and we just, you know. But to your point, we just have this expectation, this high expectation. And in my opinion, it's idealized. It's utopian where we think that and and assume that everybody has our best interests. No one gives a fuck about you, I think especially when it comes to business. No, I think that when it comes to a business scenario, every company that puts customer first and that creates this narrative behind the customer experience, just like Amazon has done, like they say that the customer comes first and they Mm -hmm. do anything for the customer, whatever. Most of the time, they're the businesses that are trying to extract the most from the customer. So they create this perception. They create this um very uh heroic and very virtual like virtuous mm-hmm. uh narrative 
just to kind of distract you from what they're actually doing. Right. So then Amazon wants you to purchase more on their platform so they get more data on how people consume, what products they consume, so they can produce more and more and more. In the same way that they portray as being the ideal platform for anybody else to sell their products on. And then people go on their platform, sell their products. Amazon gets all the anal- like analytics and data that they need and create their own version with Amazon Basics, for example. So like that's how they do it, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm talking really fast and I'm talking a lot. But it's okay. You get what I mean, though? Yes. So there's two ways of looking at the social dilemma. You can vilify uh, social media and everybody behind everything that has been done in that realm. Or you can just come to an understanding and say, well, that's just human nature. That's just inevitable. It was inevitable to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your positioning on that? Um, personally, I, um, I, <laughs> I try to stay away from social media now nowadays just because of, um, especially after watching it. Like after I watched it, I think I deleted my apps both of us did we both did for for months i think we i think we didn't have it for a few months maybe yeah we took a hiatus for like what two two months maybe two months and then um uh i i came to grips with the fact that if you want other people to um consume what you create that you need social media so um that's mm-hmm. like we're in a we're in like this day and age where that's the only way to reach people. Like everyone is attached to their phones and then this is what this whole documentary is about is like how attached we are to our phones that as soon as we wake up in the morning, we unlock our phones, we check the time and you know, we scroll through and whatever. And it's just saying like go at your own risk. Like, I don't think this thing is saying like, stay away from it completely, or it's just saying go at your own risk and, and also kind of pace yourself. Like, don't, don't over consume it. Be, be, um, like have enough knowledge about it. Be that, kind of like aware. Right, right. Be aware of like what you're getting yourself into, which is why there are terms and conditions and people should, you know, read and whatever. Nobody does like mm-hmm. fine print stuff yeah. and super long. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's. I think that there's no such thing as a free lunch, right? I think that nothing in life is free. Mm. I think that everything comes with, whether it's an ulterior motive behind the action or if it's completely blatant and obvious and in your face, there's always something, right? So you can't, just like you said, like people nowadays, like they want to create for the sole purpose of going viral on these platforms Mm -hmm. instead of looking at creating as a solemn form of expression. And I think that that's what's beautiful about, let's say, um, the, I I don't know, like the, the early 90s or, you know, from like 19, let's say 60 to 1990, mm-hmm. right? That era of just artistic expression, especially if you look at New York City, for example, the underground scene for artists and stuff. And it was during that time period where Basquiat kind of flourished, right? In the underground scene. Why are you laughing? No, nothing. And he's up right behind you over there with his yes, gloves up. Yes, um, But like... To me, that era was insane because people did not create for the purpose of exposure. People did not create. Or for the purpose of consumption. Or for the purpose of consumption, yeah. Like industrialized 
creation. Right. It was it was only for themselves. It was like a it was a it was a form of self expression. Yeah. And then so even if other people didn't didn't acknowledge it, it wasn't for other people to acknowledge it all the time, I think. And even if it was, it wasn't thinking, oh, millions of people will right. see this artwork. Because if you look at the graffiti era, right, think about the idea of creating something and your post being a wall in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. like like a wall in the um, metro station, like on one of the trains, you know, on the side of one of the trains. Like that was your Instagram post back then. And then if people saw it, they wouldn't give you direct validation because mm-hmm. most of the time they were strangers. So they didn't know who you were. Right. But they would maybe keep their comments to themselves and still see it. Right. So I think that that was enough for the artist. It's like this work will be seen, but I don't care about what the those eyes assimilate and think and process because I don't need a response back. I'm going to continue creating my craft. About the validation. Yeah. It's like yeah, exactly. it's like writers, for example. A lot of writers, especially in earlier times, they didn't write for people to validate their work. It was mm-hmm. to put their perspective out there, their perspective of reality, whether it was a fiction book or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then whether people... Like, it wasn't to get a response, like you were saying, back from people. It was just to to bring it into existence, yeah. to bring it into a physical form, like bringing a thought, an idea, any anything that they might be feeling, an emotion, into something physical. So painting, writing, any sort of expression of art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Yeah, no. And I think that personally, I think that that's when you had the best forms of anything because mm-hmm. people would create with the salt. Because like think about creating something while in the back of your head, you're already curating this list of people who you want to impress. Right. You may have one or two people that you just want to give a big fuck you to them you know Mm -hmm. and and like thinking about like oh like this post is gonna make this person pissed off at me this this is gonna make this person envious and this person's gonna like know what's up you know like so so it's all that all that um pretense and all that like Mm -hmm. like um premeditated murder that goes on in your head before creating something before even posting something right so the intent is already diminished because it's already clouded yeah Yeah. there there is no intent because the intent is already out of your control because mm-hmm. you've given pieces of your intent like you've broken it up and you've given it to these people who don't deserve it and then when you put out a piece of art or a piece of creation it's already undeserving of attention i think because it comes out less great than it could have come out mm-hmm. if that makes sense because there is there's if it people look at intentions and everything so if you have a malicious intent if you have a the even if even by your demeanor and stuff people don't like demeanors that are um how do i explain it evil evil right so then they they won't 
appreciate anything that you put out because then you're just I don't know you're just creating a a a barrier between you and the people and then people you're not reaching anyone you're just polarizing right yeah and you're polarizing your audience kind of right Mm -hmm. yeah I think I think I've done that (laughs) honestly like I'm not gonna lie right yeah but because like honestly and look this clip is probably gonna find itself on Instagram right Um, I'll probably create a highlight of this or whatever but Instagram to me has become a place where I don't really go on Instagram to to want to create anymore. Mm-hmm. I just go on Instagram to kind of I think it's like a a status update now. You know how Facebook used to have the right. status update thing where you would go and tell Facebook mm-hmm. and people like, oh, like um, I'm in the mood for some Chipotle. I'm eating Chipotle right now, whatever. Instagram has become the glorified version of the Facebook status update box because it's owned by Facebook. And I view it as that now. So I'll go on stories and I'll just post an update, say, hey, guys, or whatever, even though I could care less about what people think because my followers, if I'm being honest, I don't really... Like, they don't do anything for me, honestly. Like, maybe a handful of people, really good people out there who I really, really, really fuck with, right? But it's really a handful. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is just, like, spectating. Everybody else is just curious. Everybody else is just, like, feigning this support system. Mm-hmm. That's not really there, right? Because then you post something, that person doesn't really engage with it. person shows no interest. But then, again, especially stories, when you post something, boom, that person's the first person there. So I get that a lot. It's not hard to pick out insincerity. It's not. Yeah. In social media. Especially Instagram. It's not. It's and and you know who is following you because they want to keep tabs on you. Yeah. And you know who is following you because they're in support of you. Mm -hmm. And you know by responses that you get from them. So who, for example, who's. Uh, I feel like the people who are commenting and liking sometimes are not as genuine and sincere as the people who are sending you messages, mm-hmm. you know, kind of giving you uh, props and credit for for your work. Mm-hmm. And I think that you you see the sincerity, you know, in, in and both, and yeah. yeah, and how genuine people are based on how they interact with your content. Yeah, because I also think that it takes a lot of um a lot of like people are very prideful, mm-hmm. right? So a prideful person would not take those steps that you just said to like reach out to right. you and engage and send you a message and acknowledge the art that you put out. And even though it may be, and I don't believe this, but I'm just saying it for the sake of compare, like for the sake of an, of an example is um, it could be objectively great art, which I don't believe exists, but just saying that most people acknowledge it as being great art. Mm-hmm that person still won't take that step because it, like in their head, it's like, oh, like then that shows that that like she won and mm, she's right. one upping me because I'm playing the subordinate and the submissive person going and giving props, which people often have that ego game. And you have to account for that dynamic nowadays because everybody has an inflated ego. I have an inflated ego. You have an inflated ego. Everybody has an ego that's inflated to an extent. To an extent. To an extent. But ours may be less so than a lot of people we know. Right. A lot, And then it's just like how much more do you keep on pumping the ego? And at one point it will burst and explode. You know what's crazy is I feel like I've I've lost a lot of my ego, especially um, getting off social media for a while. Because when I 
come like now whenever I go back and I post something and it's mm-hmm. very occasional. But when I do post something and I see the interactions being made, I see how many like like it doesn't it doesn't feed anything to me anymore. It's not nourishing any part of my soul in any way. It's not igniting any sort of like joy. It's like I don't I don't even look at the numbers anymore. I can't tell you how many likes I got on my last post on my last three posts like I really don't know mm-hmm. and that I'm just at a point now where I don't care and then it's like I I don't know what I I don't really know what I post for I feel like it's just like it's just to have um for example a picture of me and shadow right mm-hmm. shadow's yeah. a husky yeah it's your yeah. dog He's our dog yeah. our kid yeah um <laughs> For example, me posting a picture of me in shadow, it's kind of like just a way of expressing my gratitude for Mm -hmm. him to the world or like whatever, me posting a picture of a coffee mug. It's like something I found aesthetic throughout my day or whatever it was, Mm -hmm. but it's not for other people. Like I'm not thinking about, oh, I want people to see this and, you know, like it and show appreciation for it because I don't there's no need. For yeah, that. I'm not seeking that anymore. So I don't know. I feel like in that in that regard, in that sense, my ego kind of doesn't exist to the extent that other people's do like other people's egos do because mm-hmm. <laughs> they're more superficial and they feed off of the likes and yeah. they need the likes. And that yeah. that's what validates them. Mm-hmm. That's that. That's what makes them feel better about themselves. And that's what keeps them going. Right. That's their source of motivation, their fuel. Is outside validation. Exactly. And that probably yeah. motivates them to go to different places because they feel like they need to keep posting pictures and keep people interested in what they're posting. Because the better the place, the more likes. Probably. Right. The it's like the just, comments. But, but just post for yourself. I think that's probably the best piece of advice that I can give anyone is just post for yourself. Post for yourself, whatever it is. I think that my, like my reasoning uh, is is almost the same as yours except mine has a little a little bit of a pretentious undertone to it where i post also for myself but deep down inside i just always wish that it'll affect and reach the right person mm-hmm. it's like whenever i create those random edits you know those video edits that 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 that, that i like to do that that that, that i like oh my god tongue twister right there that i like to do those videos that i like to do um, where I just combine random videos with a random song that I'm just feeling in the moment and I'll always almost um, use a lo-fi version of it. And I just like creating these feelings that kind of represent where I'm at emotionally at the moment. Because I think emotions are something that you can't really put into words, mm-hmm. right? So I like making those videos because of that. It's my form of outward expression. So I don't do it for likes. I don't do it for engagement. Most of the time I don't... Um, I don't, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't, Jesus, it just, it, it just slipped me. I don't expect, I don't expect anyone to even watch the full video. I just want to post it just to have it. And a lot of times people do DM me and they say like, yo, like this is pretty fire. Like, mm-hmm. like, like this is pretty crazy or whatever. Which they usually are. Yeah, sure. But <laughs> my point is, I want that video to reach the right person in a sense where it maybe triggers something in them 
that may result in whatever it may be, if that makes sense. A feeling or an idea, like something, uh, like it didn't just gravitate, like they didn't just gravitate to it because of the images or the music, like they gravitated towards it because of the feeling, the emotion, like something, Mm -hmm. something that, I don't know. Something that wasn't there. Something meaningful. Was there now because they saw the video. Right. And that's all I hope for. But I've realized that that's a very hard um, request nowadays because people don't really want to put much thought when consuming content on social media. So mm-hmm. they want to just be bombarded with simple, easy cut content, you know, like whether it's a girl uh, teaching how to squat or whether it's a girl talking about her her diet plan or whether it's a guy talking about mm-hmm. um, how to make money uh super quick with the stock market it's like people want just quick stuff it's all yeah and it's all surface level things it's like nothing that nothing that makes you read in between the lines yeah it doesn't force you to actually exercise your brain right it doesn't yeah and that's the concept that i like to put out it's things that i i literally watch my videos and this is not on a narcissistic uh note right like i just watch my videos repeatedly like after and after over and over (laughs) because each time i watch it i find something that just surprises me and it's always almost a subconscious pull that Mm -hmm. while editing i don't know why i did it but then the more i watch it the more i realize why it's there you make connections yeah and i and i i made a few i made two edits now (laughs) after learning from the master um, but I made two edits now and, uh, I had no idea where I was going with these edits. And then mm. as I'm watching and you saw the last one I made, I spent two days on it yeah. and I was just going like back and forth, like knowing what I did and didn't want to put into it. And then I posted it and I was surprised at how many people like understood the message. Mm. Like they understood. And I don't even know what the message was like um completely like i don't know the exact utter like message that i was trying to put out but people understood it Mm -hmm. i think i think they did just because of how much people gravitated towards it right it wasn't just a a picture a selfie of myself like it was something that i put together Mm -hmm. and made a story out of it Mm -hmm. Uh, so what was where was I going with this? I don't know, but <laughs> but but just like what you just said though, that people like you don't know if people understood it or not, the people who engaged with it, but it doesn't matter if they understood what you right. understood. That what matters is that you force them and put them in a position to form an understanding of the art that you curated because, for yourself. Right, because everyone has a different lens. Yeah. So everyone is looking at the world in their own subjective like through their own subjective lens. So whatever mm-hmm. My video might have meant to me may have meant something completely different to someone else. Mm-hmm. But and just hopefully it did. Right. But just knowing that they acknowledged it and and watch and some people like actually watch the full extent of it is just kind of like gratifying knowing yeah. that it it may be like made people think a little bit because mm-hmm. my whole story was about how I perceive the world, how I perceive reality, how I perceive maybe the United States, how I perceive the you know, the detrimental, like, mm-hmm. crisis that we're in with, you know, big businesses, with uh, pollution and climate change and Black global lives warming, matter. everything. Black Lives Matter, everything. Mm-hmm. And that was, yeah, it was just interesting. I think, in my opinion, I think the best artists are the ones whose artwork you can look at 
and not think or it's not apparent what the artist was trying to convey at first. Mm -hmm. I like artwork that you can look at and it forces you to develop your own subjective understanding. Just like you said, everybody has a subjective life. Everybody lives through a subjective movie where they're their own protagonist, right? You're the protagonist of your movie. Mm -hmm. I'm the protagonist of my movie. And we're all just living these cinematic experiences that we call life, I think, if you put it in the lens of filmmaking. Right. And then there's there are scenes that are a little slower than others. And Mm -hmm. then there's scenes that are very. Yeah, there are dramatic scenes. Very dramatic. There are melodramatic scenes. There are horror scenes. You know, there Mm -hmm. are a bunch of different scenes. And, And I think that, I don't know, like in art that you can look at and it kind of puts you in a position to develop your own understanding. And only after you develop your own understanding do you have the curiosity and the need to understand what the artist wanted to accomplish with the artwork. I think those are the best ones versus you approaching an art piece and what's screaming at you is what the artist wanted Mm. the art piece to to represent. I think that those just don't force you to be creative. It doesn't force you to expand your understanding of not just art but of yourself Mm because I think that that's what art does. It forces you to understand yourself if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. Yeah. I think the and and the best ones, the ones that are, you know, crazily, you know, curated are the ones that you can have multiple perspectives. Yeah. So from one second to the next, your whole perception of it changed. It's like you thought it meant one thing, you thought you were seeing one thing and then in the next second you're you're seeing complete something completely different. Mm-hmm. And speaking on that, there's um a video that I think I showed you. You did. I know Steve which one. Martin, right. Yeah, that's the one I. That's comedian. exactly what I was thinking about right now. In the short span that he was analyzing an art piece, I think under an hour, he changed his mind maybe three times. The more he looked at the art piece, like he tried looking at it up close. He yeah. then took a few steps back. He, then he sat, sat down, down <laughs> looked at it. And then he got up and looked Jinx. at it from a different angle. And he just kept like changing the angle and the perspective in which he saw it. And I think that that's, a metaphor for life, really, that once you change your perspective and the lens that you look at something, that something morphs into what that lens and perspective requires of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that oh, uh, that does make sense. So, so you're you're saying that we can kind of, um, how do I explain it? Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Adjust. We can kind of pivot and adjust the mm-hmm. way we're seeing the world. Yeah. And then that like through, for example, if we're feeling a, a certain emotion, if it's a negative one, we're going to see the world as like uh, a like negative thing. Red. Right. Everything yeah. is red. Like yeah. they're like the world is out to get you. Maybe mm-hmm. you're just looking at all the bad things. You're just hyper focused on whatever you're feeling yeah. and then in that like you you basically transpose your feelings into um into the way that you view things and then the, the way that you view things becomes your reality right yeah and then and then you're you're viewing everything that way so then because you're just trying to meet whatever it is that you know the, the lens that you're creating for yourself mm-hmm. like you were saying and i think that to your point i think also if you look at something that you deemed to be objectively bad so something happened maybe you quit your job or sorry maybe you got fired Mm -hmm. right you got fired from a job that you deemed to be necessary for your survival and 
because you got fired, you're now in this depressive state and you're on a downward spiral. Right. Because you gave this job so much importance, right? And it happens to a lot of people in the world and it happens every single day, especially with quarantine and COVID, a lot of people got laid off. But my point is seeing the 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 act itself of getting laid off as something different than negative already triggers this domino effect of changes into your perspective. Mm-hmm. So you can start removing i think layers of just outward like outwardly imposed um standards that derive from society's way of kind of conditioning everybody to be in the world mm-hmm. and i know i just said a lot and i'm gonna try to make sense of it but basically you got laid off all of the layers that you carry with you amount to it being a negative experience if you start removing layers, like maybe like remove what your parents always told you about having a steady job and how it's pivotal and important. Remove that and say, maybe it's not. Mm-hmm. Remove um, what your uh, high school teacher told you that you would never amount to anything if you never had a stable job. Remove that. And then the more layers you start removing, the more light your perspective becomes. Mm-hmm. And the more that act starts to change because your perspective and lens begins to morph. Right. So it becomes more sharp because there's less weight on it. So it becomes more light. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, it just happened. What am I going to do about it? And I do that a lot. I put put so much insignificant weight Mm -hmm. on so many things. It's like my job. Um, like even relationships, for example, that's something that people put a lot of weight on. It's like it having to go, you know, a certain way and things having to go your way. And then when they don't, you get anxious and you just put a lot of weight on things and you become overwhelmed. And like you're saying, the more that you strip down the, the things that are adding that weight, like the circumstances that you may have been dealt with in the past, which is another thing that weighs on people a lot, um, and then, for example, the the uh, mindset that you're creating for yourself, like having too high of standards and expectations for yourself, like if you were expecting to keep this job and for a specific reason because it made you feel uh, fulfilled in a certain in some way, removing that mm-hmm. makes just makes things more simple. It makes you see clearer. So then once you remove all that, you realize that things aren't as it's not the end of the world. It's really not. It's not the end of the world. And that always it's never going to be. It's never going to be the end of the world. And and the more the clearer that you see, the more you'll be able to pivot quickly Mm -hmm. and you'll be able to readjust. And you've done that a lot. So yeah, so sure. I'm like I've learned from you a little bit. I'm still horrible. Horrible. I, I'm I'm horrible too and I still struggle with that. But you you readjust so quickly. It's like no no matter what happens, mm-hmm. no matter the weight, like how like what your expectations were for it or like whatever, when something is thrown your way, you readjust because you just you just bring it down to a simple compact thing that you can understand and kind of like internalize and then once you're done internalizing it you pivot and you start paving a new lane 
and and just kind of spit out a solution right for it, like a possible solution you find solutions super quickly like you the way that you are is like cutthroat like there's always a solution to something like it's not there's <laughs> reverse is me it's like no there's no solution like it's, it is the end of the world mm-hmm. but i'm learning <laughs> i'm learning I'll, i'm learning too yeah no no and I've learned a lot from 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 like your like from you too like from like being with you as well. I've I've learned for example the idea of I don't know just like showing more affection and just being more caring I think. Aww. You know? Because I think that prior to meeting you I think I was always I don't know. I I've just always prided myself in being just like you said like more cutthroat, more cold-hearted maybe, more I hate to, to use this word because of the negative connotation, but more Machiavellian, if you will. Mm-hmm. Always like super individualistic. Like I never really liked or subscribed to the idea of having like multiple friendships and just sustaining multiple friendships. And we could get into that maybe on the next episode. Um, but multiple friendships and just the weight that that brings onto your everyday life, or at least for me, a lot of people thrive with having a lot of friends, right? They pride themselves in their friends. Mm-hmm. And I and I know people like that and to each their own. But I'm just not a person who who can carry people on my back and carry the responsibility of reaching out, checking up and, you know, doing the the routine. Like, are you OK and stuff? Because I'm barely getting by myself. Like, I'm barely getting through the day myself mm-hmm. i'm and barely able to to wish a happy birthday me like, too. I don't that's know how bad birthday. it is yeah. <laughs> i can't even remember birthdays forget about it and until like a f- maybe until last year um I, I i didn't memorize my mom's birthday and i just recently <laughs> memorized it for sure wow. so that i wouldn't forget it and that just goes to show you know like my level of and also i'm very forgetful as you know like i don't really have a great memory no you're horrible short-term long-term memory loss attention span too like i like i'm bad at keeping attention and stuff no you're pretty good at that am i yeah but but the memory it's like whether you whether you're you were hyper focused for those 10 minutes like within five days you'll probably forget about what happened in those 10 minutes yeah that's true that's true just like we did um we were doing a test run before we started this podcast <laughs> and then i said something about joe rogan being on fear factor <laughs> oh my and God. then you, you were like, told me like you were oh, like, like what show is that and then i was like you was just like, said it yeah, <laughs> it's and, then, fear and it was like an awkward pause because she's like well, why you just said it i was like all right start was like seconds after like start I the s- tape <laughs> I swear I have Alzheimer's. I'm not even kidding. And it's early onset Alzheimer's. That for sure. that explains it. This is the first time he's ever restarted the tape over again. <laughs> no, yeah, that's for sure. So, all right. Um, I think that we're gonna keep this first episode like short and sweet. Is it done? We're no, done. Uh, we we've done almost an hour already. Uh, okay. Okay. Do you want to do? Like, do you want to keep it just? short and sweet yeah i think this so first one this is just for people to get a general idea of like what this podcast is going to be and for us also to get just more used to the format and we're definitely going to be trying to punch out as much content as we can every single week because both of us want to dedicate like full time to this endeavor because we do believe in the yes. potential and we want to cover way more top topics i feel like both of us always have something to say and we just never really have a platform to say it on Mm -hmm. and yeah and i think that like do you have any other topics that that you want to talk about before we close out no save it 
We'll save, save it for, for episode two. Save for episode two. <laughs> All right. So this podcast is going to be available on Spotify, uh, iTunes, and on YouTube as yes. well. And snippets on Instagram. Yes. All right. So if you're watching this, wherever you're watching it, wherever you're listening to it, um, if you are supportive of the idea, if you enjoy the format, if you fuck with either Gabriella or if you fuck with me, um, be sure to leave a like, subscribe. If you're on iTunes, if you're on Spotify, uh, feel free to rate the show. We need more ratings. Um, mm-hmm. I think it just helps us get this show out there. It gets it gets the show just pushed in front of the right people. And hopefully other people can indulge in the nonsensical stuff that we have to say. Super but random stuff. Super too. random stuff. Like, th- like that's going to be the format <laughs> it's gonna of the show. It's going to be super random. It's just me and you just sitting down and just talking shit about Sometimes whatever Sometimes selling horrible about. jokes. Horrible jokes are going to come a lot. A lot. Uh, from bro- both ends, right? Because mm. we're both great joke tellers. <laughs> You're an- I'm not a great joke teller. I- no. I'm not good at jokes. <laughs> no. I'm not a good joke teller. No. But anyways, yeah. So it's going to be a free flow um, uh style of content uh this first episode bear with us if we come off a little bit rusty a little bit nervous because both of us were a little this bit this is my at the first front. time first podcast ever first podcast ever it's my first time sitting in front of a camera and being recorded simultaneously because i've done both separately mm-hmm. with you and only clips and and we've posted but this is my first time doing both simultaneously. It's my first time sitting here, and I'm actually surprised that we made it in an hour. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so yeah, pretty sure. surprised. Yeah, I'm, I'm oh my god, I thought I was gonna faint halfway through. <laughs> no, no. But this, like, as we go on and as we progress, because we see this as a long term thing, um, we're gonna get more and more comfortable. We're gonna come up with more organized ways of um, maybe like some like segments, maybe some fun stuff, like some unique i don't know right and if you have any like topics you want us to talk about because we yeah we definitely want to you know dive into the controversial controversial questions mm-hmm. of uh whether you sit or stand when you wipe your ass after you you know use the toilet which we'll reserve for the next episode <laughs> which we'll reserve. but meanwhile feel free to hit us up in the dms um or leave a comment on youtube leave a comment wherever and try to reach out to us and just give us ideas, right? questions, um, topic recommendations, anything that you guys want us to talk about. We promise that this is non-censored, so we're going to go all the way. Mm-hmm. And y- maybe you won't like the opinions that, you know, both of us have or maybe one of us has. And that's okay, too, because, like, we're all about just open-mindedness and just expressing right. your opinion. So, so we'll accept other people's opinions. And, and even if you don't agree, we hope that you understand our opinions. Um, yeah. They're not always going to be, you know, the uh, popular ones because mm-hmm. we have very unpopular opinions. We do. Towards a lot, a lot of things. A lot. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. And just remembering the title of this show mentally gone so keep that in mind whenever you heed any of our advices <laughs> um or our do opinions not. yeah don't, <laughs> don't don't follow anything we do or say uh we do not recommend it and yeah so with that i'm going to close out um thank you for uh starting this endeavor with me thank you for believing in this journey <laughs> and hopefully and she's just laughing cracking up because she doesn't believe in this Are you journey proposing? In this <laughs> yeah. and that's where i'm gonna end this episode <laughs>
Because <laughs> we're not going to propose right Cut now. Cut to black. Okay, bye. bye. <laughs>